Pokemon. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Brains MC podcast, podcast focusing all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the United States. My name is Jose Mania, sports writer for Sports Post, and joining me as always, Mario Mania from El Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm just a little bit tired. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to a dear friend of mine, David, and his now fiance Joy. They got engaged over the weekend. Well, congrats to them. <laughs> congrats to them on the engagement. Hopefully, I wish them all but the best in their future. One thing we I wish we had was more happiness because of last night's DC United match. Yes, we will talk about the spirit and what they just did to Gotham FC in a second. But remember yeah. Twitter. Remember, it goes wrong once you go with them Twitter fingers. But before we get to that, we have to talk about it, and that is what happened last night. DC United hosting Austin FC. For the first time ever, Austin making a trip to the nation's capital. And what we had, crazy match. It was one of those that you had to be there to see it, to believe it, or watch it. In a span of 10 minutes, DC United went from a two-goal lead, dropped to one, then none, and then lost it as a 10-man DC United would lose a two-goal lead, losing 3-2 to Austin FC. It went from a possible three points for United. Instead, it became their fourth consecutive loss after opening the season with two goals. I mean, with two victories. I'll start real quick and just say this. A lot of the heat is coming down for what happened in the 45th minute. For those who did not see, DC United had a two-goal lead early in the first half. They were revenant going. Ola Kamara scored two goals, including... A one-timer spanked the net for the second goal. It could have been up 4 nothing if it wasn't for the overturned goal that was really offside. And Kamara and Nigel Roberta colliding for an open chance after a set-piece play. Ola Kamara is taking a lot of the heat because of what happened in the 45th minute. And that is a tackle outside the penalty area to Sebastian Drusi where it was kind of unnecessary. The ball was going out of bounds. Um, nevertheless, Ola Kamara was already on a yellow, celebrating his first goal by taking off his shirt and revealing a message. But he ended up getting removed from the game after getting his second yellow. Hernando Sada said it in the press conference. He is a veteran. He needs to know better when it comes to these kind of things. Mario... You know, what are your thoughts on United's results in this loss? And do you agree with Hernan that Kamara should have known better? Uh, I guess we could start with the with uh, his, with Losada's uh, thoughts on the Kamara second yellow. Yeah, maybe you should have known better. It was a pretty childish uh, childish challenge, in my opinion. But at the same time, I don't think you can put the total blame on Ola Kamara for this loss. There is no I in team. This was a total team team collapse at the end of the game. And honestly, I I I'm stunned that they that defensively they collapsed in such a manner. But people tend to forget that Austin is tied for first place in the Western Conference. This is a team that can really adjust. And when you have players like Drusi, uh, MLS veteran, and Maxi Ruti, that can make stuff happen. 
it, it can be it, it 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 tends to get to get the better of you, and that's what happened in the, in this instance, unfortunately for DC United. I won't say it's Ola's fault, but I will say Ola Kamara should have been smarter in the situation. He knew that once he took off his shirt, he is a walking duck. And one thing that anyone who was watching the match could tell you is that Austin was were trying to pressure United into committing fouls or trying to get United on their nerves early. You know, you met Matteo Rudy. There's one thing anyone who's watched MLS in years, he is one in Spanish. We call him Picaro. He's going to try and tempt you to the dark arts of football and try to make you get mad, try to get you to fight him so that you can get a card for retaliation while he sits back and ready and gets ready for a ball. I felt in the first half, United played its best first half up to that point all season. They played in a four, a three-four-three, which I think best suits them when you have a playmaking winger like Andy Nahar on one side, and you have your set piece set specialist and Julian Gresso on the other. Uh, Jackson Hopkins, uh, the new uh, homegrown signing, played up top on the left-hand side of the three uh, attackers with Ola in the middle and Roberto on the right. And he looked fearless with the ball. He was making moves, making good cuts, making good passes. He played as if he's been playing Major League Soccer for years. And that's the way he debuted. Shows me that the club knows what they have in him and we should expect to see more of him going forward. I thought United played excellent in the first half. And... I'm not going to blame Ola Kamara. I do think he needs to be smarter. Um, but I do think also that United messed this opportunity. I think one, they had a whole 15 minutes to figure out, okay, we need to fix our defensive shape. We need to come in with more structure. We want to we play our style, but we also don't want to lose the plot. This is a team that was tied for first, now in first after that result. This is a team that is competitive. This is a team that has shown that they can bounce back and they have the stars that can do it. And in the second half, you could just feel the tension changing, especially when they made the first two sub, three subs, which was bringing in Chris Duyatum for Andy Nahar because Andy Nahar picked up a non-contact injury right before the half, so he had to get out. Then Chris Duyatum gets hurt going on a challenge. He needs to be taken out, bringing in Samake. So you already have a rookie still learning the, the, the MLS and its speed and the changes. You already have that. And then you bring Fountas in to make his debut, which I'm fine with too, but you need to still have some defensive cover right there. That's two offensive changes. There's not a lot of defensive cover. And so I felt like Hernando Sada is not blameless either. I think that he didn't manage his substitutions well enough till the 89th minute when he decides, I'm going to bring in Estrada. I'm going to bring in um, uh, more players to help keep the ball on their end. 
I don't think that that was the best substitution. So what should have been the substitutions is trying to make sure that you're defensively sound and making sure that you're good defensively versus just trying to make offensive changes and likes for likes. Likes for likes are fine to an extent, but if you don't have the players that can help field your team when you're down a man, you can't tell me otherwise that what you thought you were doing was okay. You end the game playing Michael Estrada unnecessarily um, for, what, four minutes? Drew Scundridge, we know he's a defensive liability. Samake, like we mentioned, is a rookie. I feel like Hernan lost the plot in terms of what his his substitution should have been. Yes, he did say in the press conference and that he elected to rest uh, Brad Smith. But I think also you can you can do that, but you have to know what's your plan if you are down a man and no Tony Alfaro. You're not gonna put Tony Alfaro in there. You're not gonna put a you're not gonna put Tony Alfaro in there. You're, why not keep Russell out there a little longer, make him play more defensively? We've seen he even though we don't, no one likes it, but we know we he can give you a little bit. Heck, we'll get into it in a second about Edison Flores, but Edison Flores has played that position where you can run to the corner with the ball and keep the ball away from the area. That was the substitution that was needed around the 70th minute, especially as the team was getting gassed. I felt like Hernan's substitution patterns really failed this team, and it allowed Felipe Martins, who came in the second half, to really control the game from the middle and help Austin get back uh, up the field, bring up the tempo. Um, because Diego Fagundes was useless in the first half, like completely useless. But one substitution helped Austin out. And then Ethan Finley coming in helped him out as well. But I really do think Felipe Martins and Finley really pushed it to United and Hernan lost the plot in terms of his substitution patterns, to be honest. Yeah, I think if, if when you go down 10 men, it's important to create more of a defense, a more, a more of a structure going into the second half and just having and just being maybe I should play more defensive. I have X, Y and Z players on the bench that could you that could help me out defensively and get me out of out of certain st- sticky situations, especially considering that you brought in Ethan Findlay. Who's a guy that could that around MLS circles is known to pretty much push forward and and absolutely test your defenders. So I'm I'm surprised you didn't bring in Tony Alfaro in the second half, and especially considering that you got that you got Chris Dewey Atsum out there, and then you had to sub him out automatically. I wouldn't have brought in Samake. I would have brought in Tony Alfaro to be honest with you. And also, it's fine that you elect to to rest up Brad Smith for this game, but Brad Smith's been one of your better left backs in in, in the start of this season. Maybe I would have had him more on the bench for this game. And well, it's, it's kind of weird that you rested him uh, for precautionary reasons. Um, but then again, you guys were off for the last two weeks. Right. So... It's kind of weird that you're saying you're going to rest him when you've already had a rest. You didn't. You were supposed to play NYCFC last week, 
But, you know, due to them playing in the CONCACAF Champions League, you had that extra week of rest. They rescheduled the game. So it's kind of weird to see that you rest Brad Smith, one of your better defenders, and then you don't bring in Tony Alfaro, who brings a little more experience than Samake, to be honest with you. And on the second goal, Samake was the one that lost his man lost his man mark on the play. So I feel as the not only were the substitution patterns not all the way there, I feel that he did them a little too late. Especially the last one, I think. The last one is the one that everyone's talking The last two, right before the goals. Um, I feel, again, we all know that Drew Scundrews is a defensive liability because that's not where he plays. And same can be said about um, Russell, but I feel like Russell has the veteran experience that when push comes to shove, he'll he'll make it happen. Um, yeah, her, no, I, 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 it has to be brought up. I know DCI fans are talking about it. I do want to mention real quickly, Tori Pinto, uh, Pinzo, who was the uh, head, uh, Pinzo, who was the head referee, start, started off a little tight uh, with calling things very, very on, everything followed the book early. And then later on, it got looser and looser and looser. Um, she needs she she definitely needs more assignments, but I felt that she just she had she had some iffy calls to say the least. Um, uh, but she, I did think that there were times where she could have said play on. She did not elect to do that. Um, yeah, <laughs> she she did not have a good. She had a so par game. I felt like she called things. She did get the VAR calls right. I will give her credit for that. I think a lot of times we don't see that often. But in terms of DC United and Mario, we've been talking about this, if not on this podcast, but several times. Um, Edison Flores did not start and did not play. Um, He only has two goals and eight assists and 34 appearances with DC United. Um, I don't know what to say in terms of Edison Flores. I feel like watching Jackson Jackson Hopkins uh, play last night, I am really concerned that that everyone's going to be like, well, we don't need him anymore. Uh, we don't need Edison Flores. Now, he's good for the community. He's good at bringing the Latino people. But I've said this before when we had the Wayne Rooney talk all years ago. The Latin, the Latin customer will come regardless if you have a Latino DP or if you have just a great DP. So I feel all this pressure to want to keep him. He's not bringing in the results. And Hernan Lasada, good question, by the way, by Moises Leonardes. He said in Spanish, you know, it's going to be time to give some of these younger players chances who and take advantage of these chances for some of these players who had the chances but haven't been up to par so i wonder what's well what do you think of what we've seen of edison flores thus far and do you think 
United should just part ways at this point as we get closer to the summer transfer window. I think they should part ways with Edison Flores. Edison Flores hasn't been up to par. He came in with a lot of expectations, and especially considering the money that they're paying for, that they paid for him, he hasn't lived up to those expectations. Granted, you know he went through co- we went through COVID his first season, and he was injured for a good chunk of last season. He just hasn't been. He just hasn't delivered. And when you tell those numbers, only two goals and eight assists and thirty-four appearances, that's not good. Especially when you when you're a player that the coaches have that the team or the club has high expectations on, and now Hernan Losada is just benching you. Yeah, that that's a really bad sign for him coming into the summer transfer window. And I'm guessing that. Hernan Lozada's kind of feeling like, yeah, we should part ways with Edison. Well, maybe not even necessarily part ways, but he's got to get better. And when the kids are outperforming you, I'm not going to play you if you're not performing. Like, and, and that's fair. You know, like I said earlier, I thought Andy being the midfielder, playing that wingback role, it's much better suited for him. Uh, something we've both been calling for this entire season because United lacked that playmaker uh, winger that we had last season. Um, So I felt that him playing alongside um, Diamond, you know, having Jackson Hopkins with him and also Andy communicating with Brendan Heinzeich, I felt that was a great partnership. Uh, with on that le- on that left hand side, so I want to see more of that. If Jackson's going to get another start, uh, more than likely we'll probably end up seeing Edison Flores if Andy isn't able to go. But I just don't think he's a midfielder. I don't think he. he I think he's. Gonna, I think he needs to be in Jackson's spot. But then you have who's going to play in the midfield? Um, it's a lot of questions, but I do think at this point. If Hernan's going to ice somebody out, <laughs> it's going to be the guy who hasn't performed in two years with the club and seems to get injured whenever the club needs him. So I don't know. Maybe you could say it's a lack of confidence, but I feel like I've seen enough of Edison Flores, and I don't think he's worth it right now, especially with all these younger kids like Samake, like, Jackson Hopkins looking to get more playing time. I just I just don't see the benefit of continuing this experiment any further. No, and honestly, I feel like some members of the club or the tra- or the training staff feel the same way. Coaching staff mostly. Yeah, the co- speaking of the training staff, they were busy. <laughs> they were busy last night. I got to give them a shout out just for the fact that they were they had a busy night with a lot of injuries, not just Andes. There's just a lot of challenges, a lot of issues going in and around <laughs> throughout the game. Um, United has. Uh, they will be taking on. I'm being an idiot and look at my calendar now and edit this out because I'm an idiot. Um United does play this Tuesday against Flower City Union in the U.S. Open Cup in Rochester, New York, before playing New England Revolution. 
we may see a younger lineup <laughs> against Flower City Union. This is no disrespect. It's just the way these things are. But it's New England. It seems to be the team that Hernan struggles with the most. What do you expect to hopefully see this Saturday against the Revolution at home? Another struggling team coming coming to play another struggling team. This should be interesting. They may pull it off. I, I have no clue, to be honest with you, but I feel it, it's going to be a tightly contested game because all of these games against New England, I've told you in the past, have been highly contested, played really tight and really down the middle. But I think DC United can pull it off. Uh, I just don't see New England actually doing anything of no, doing anything to to pretty much challenge United in some in some regard because they haven't been playing well themselves. I will say this like again, I do think United's high press seems to struggle the most against New England. Seems like they find ways to break down the press um, so that they can do what they need to do. You're right, they've been struggling as of late, but this seems to be the house of horrors for United right now. And so I will say it all depends on Andy's health, sadly. I think Andy, whatever comes out of Andy's health situation, that may be what leads United, to be honest, and how it progresses forward. But honestly, I, I just hope that they don't lose again at home. I think it's too many losses at this point at home. Four straight. Uh, in some countries, you lose a fifth one, you lose a job. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not saying that's what's happening with Hernan. I will say that that is something to consider. So he should be thinking about that heading into this next match uh, against New England, as well as the U.S. Open Cup, which, mind you, he did not even know the name. During the press conference, he had to ask for help because he totally did, he's still in the learning phases. So that's why I can't say he will lose his job. Um, but I do think this is one of those times where you really need to manage your substitutions a little better, um, because that was unacceptable in my view. <laughs> Continuing to play like for like subs when you're a man down, like that's just not going to work for me. Yeah, no, you have to be a little bit smarter. But we get to see a U.S. Open Cup game for the first time in three years, so I'm pretty excited about that. That is true. Uh, no information yet as to streaming, but always keep an eye on us on Twitter to learn more. Uh, moving on to what happened today, and that is Trinity Rodman happened. She scored two goals to help the Washington Spirit remain unbeaten in competitive matches since August, staying contention for a semifinal berth in the Challenge Cup, defeating New York New City, New York. New Jersey, Gotham FC, 3-1. Try saying that real fast. Um, Trinity Rodman did get help, and that is thanks in large part to Ashley Sanchez, who hit a stunning free kick to get the spirit back up and running uh, when they were down one nothing. This is the revenge game from the 1-1 draw, or as we like to call the... The Ali Krieger falls on her butt game. Uh, oh, this, is, this was coming off the heels of the Ali Krieger's uh, ankles passed on to a better life game. Yep. And so 
I mean, credit to the Spirit for what they did. They got they got hit with an early goal in the third minute, but after that, it was it was smooth sailing. I feel like. <laughs> did you know that they did it in a professional field this time? Yes, on a grass field too. A grass field that, mind you. For, uh, for those who have never been to Red Bull Arena, there are signs on each side that said keep off grass unless you're a player or someone working on the grass field, meaning they keep care of their grass. So this is a professional grass field for those who remember the beef. Uh, Mario, what were your thoughts on the spirit coming, basically taking over after giving up the early lead and them winning this match against Gotham? Man, I didn't know Ashley Sanchez and Trinity Rodman had a child in Ashley Harris. I knew that much. Um, dominant. I mean, they let up an early goal, but then Ashley Sanchez said, nah, 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 nah. A- A- Ashlyn's out here looking way too fresh. Let me show you this wonderful free kick. Oh, wait. you want to? T- do you want to bark back at Trinity? Here, we could do this live on the field, too. It's Twitter beef that manifests itself into beautiful soccer. That's the best way I can explain the Spirit's performance against Gotham today. I mean, granted, I want to give Ashlyn Harris her due. She did keep Gotham somewhat in the game by making some incredible saves because their defense didn't play all that great. They, They had no answers for Ashley Sanchez or Trinity Rodman. Or Ashley Hatch, as a matter of fact. They, they did what they pleased in certain, in certain moments of the game. And, well, we're going to get more Twitter beef for about a week. I don't think we'll get more Twitter beef, but I will say I agree with you there. that The defense um, allowed Kelly O'Hara on that right-hand side to do basically whatever she wanted. Uh, so there was a lot of moments where O'Hara was just coming out of the wing and just bossing the wing and just just I wasn't sure what was going on with Gotham and just it felt like they were leaving her open. I don't think that was the plan. At first they they, they were quick, they punched quickly, they got their goal, but then after that the spirit calmed things down. They they had their own version of the high press for those who've never seen the spirit, but it's more possessive oriented versus DC United, which is more quick speed attacking oriented. The spirit got their possession and you can just slowly see the build. You can slowly see chances coming. Um, Ashley Hatch almost had a goal herself, but I mean, round of applause to Ashley Sanchez uh, hitting the uh, curler into the net to the point where even the commentary team were slightly delayed in calling the goal because they didn't believe what just happened. Um, that that was the kind of funniest thing of the whole thing. And then just minutes later, you had Rodman, uh, you know, you had Rodman go on a half volley uh, to get the go-ahead goal. And then in the 35th minute, get the put away. Um, I just love the disparate is finding their offense. I, you know, for those who remember last year, that's what made them more exciting after the COVID situation. They were just dumping in goals, dumping in goals like crazy. And they started up the, this tournament, this preseason tournament, only scoring once in their first two matches. And now they've scored nine in the past three. So it's good to see. I love seeing Trinity Rahman play. She's one of my favorite players now. Just the way she bosses up down the field, 
you just can see that sometimes she is she knows she's better than the, the some of the players in front of her. And but there are moments where you can see her and Kelly O'Hara going, "Hey, look, I'm gonna need you to track back a little more. I need you to relax here." You can clearly see that she's learning, and while she continues to be one of the best players in this league, so it was great to see that. And you kind of mentioned it yourself. Uh, we just don't give Ashley Sanchez enough credit. Uh, I Richie drafted her uh, two years ago, but ever since that draft selection, I feel like slowly we've been watching her build and build. And similar to what we saw with Ashley Hatch last year, where she got her chance, I feel like now Sanchez is she's played. She's already been called up with the national team, but now I think she's going to be a force to reckon with for this national team. With the national team during the break, exactly, exactly. So I think I think if you're one of the veteran players, Ashley Sanchez is coming for you. Like she's coming for that starting role, and and we like you mentioned. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna put any names out there like you, but I will say she <laughs> is looking to make. She is doing great things on the field, and like I said, to have her hit that free kick, I know for a fact they've been trying to get her to practice hit pieces a little more. But for her to hit that free kick in such precision, it was so good, and it adds another element on how this spirit team can beat you. We didn't see a lot of those kind of set piece plays attack free from free kick and now they have that weapon and it's just like oh man how much better could this spirit team be oh they're gonna keep getting better and better it looks like oh you'll you'll see them come up with brand new ways to win a game it it, it is they had they were amazing for the most part to be honest with you and just to see the trajectory and growth in such a short time of both ashley sanchez and trinity rodman Two players that they picked up of the NWSL draft, correct me if I'm wrong, top five picks, they've panned out perfectly, and they're, they're, they can only get so much better from here. Yep. You know, Chris Ward kind of mentioned it as well for those who were curious. You know, Andy Sullivan didn't play because she's recovering from a minor calf injury. We And, and, and look, we didn't we – did, not saying we didn't need her, but I felt like the rest of the team did an excellent job in covering spots, um, especially in the midfield. I feel like they really, well, after that goal, they were like, we're never going to allow that to happen again. And we got a returning Emily Sonnet, who came back from her injury. Jordan Baggett, uh, formerly known as Jordan DeBassi, made her return as well, her first game since June. And so... They're getting healthier. They're getting players back. And I'm going to be interested to see in this game against North Carolina just because I remember that game in the playoffs. I remember that game starting this tournament. And I just feel like we're going to get another good game out of these two teams. They, they're they very good rivals. There's no hate. It's just a competitive rivalry. But... Right now, North Carolina is hitting its own stride. They scored four against Orlando on Saturday. So it's going to be an offensive affair for sure um, when the spirit takes on North Carolina this week. 
Oh, yeah, I can't wait, actually. It's going to be a really good game, and I expect to be... I actually expect for it to be uh, five, five, four or five goals being scored at the minimum. Four or five? Look at you. Um, I, I won't go there, but I will say that for the Spirit, they need to win. This is going to be... This is a must-win. They have to win if they want to go on to the next round of the Challenge Cup to the semifinal. It's the final match in the group phase, so they have to win it. So it's something to keep an eye on. And we are, remember, this was confirmed for those who do not know or are not sure. May 1st is the regular season opener of the Washington Spirit. That is a Sunday. The game is being televised, but you can go to WashingtonSpirit.com for more information on how to get tickets and to know more on how to watch the game. But that'll be enough for us here on the Bad Hombres MC podcast. So before we let you go, Mario, tell the people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm working on or you just want to follow me because I'm an excellent follow, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. You want to know what's going on in the world or in the DMV, you can follow Tiempo Latino too. They're on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. You can go to their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you want to get me, or if you want to get me paid so I could buy an actual tuxedo for this, for my friend's wedding, you could go to your local newsstand or your metro station and get yourself a hard copy today. And let me say that one more time for those who weren't aware. May 1st is the Washington Spirit versus Olo Reign at Audi Field. You can watch the game on Paramount+. Plus. That's enough for me as well. My name is Jose Omania. You can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Omana for more. Special shout out as always to Kevin McLeod for the intro music. Rate and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast. And we will talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.